0: Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church message podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Abraham Lincoln, he was the President of the United States during the Civil War. And he's seen as being, pretty well, one of the greatest presidents of the United States. And you go to the Washington, you go to the Lincoln Monument, and he's the bearded guy sitting in the, in the seat kind of thing. And, and he's seen as a great success. But you know, before he was president, he was the bigger, biggest loser in life. Like, he was a complete loser. He went for, for like the Senate and Congress, an election. Eight times he failed. Eight times he went for a public office and failed he didn't get one time he got less than a hundred votes you would think after eight times you would say it's not god's will that i be a politician like it's not meant for me it's not my destiny but he went one more time and he just didn't go for like mayor of shepparton he had said i'm gonna go for president of the united states he'd never won an election before he went for president of the united states people would have thought what a madman he went and he won became the president of the united states He had two failed businesses and a nervous breakdown before he was president. You would think this guy isn't qualified to be president of the United States. He became president, led them through their most turmoil period where they had a civil war. See, God is able. He was a Christian man. He believed in God. He followed a divine creator. That's why he persisted to continue because he thought there's hope, there's hope. This is in my heart. I'm going to continue. And in the book of Ephesians, it's a book in the New Testament in the Bible. And Ephesians, it says this, Ephesians 3:20. it says, "God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could even ask, all that you could even think. Whatever you think is in a box, he, he's outside the box. He wants to do more than you could ever imagine. He is capable in your hopelessness to do a miracle. He is capable. And today we're going to look at a story, okay? So we're going to do a bit of a story today. And I'm going to take a whole passage of scripture and I'm going to pull it apart. We're going to do a bit of a teaching, inspirational thing. And it's around a book in the Bible in the Old Testament called Ezekiel. Now Ezekiel is in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is simply before Jesus. And then when Jesus came, the New Testament is the New Testament, the new will from Jesus. So in the middle of the Old Testament is a book called Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is one of these kind of... Kind of gruff kind of prophets, you know. He was a bit of a, a bit weird. I didn't know him personally, but God got him to do strange and unique things. Like, you know, he he saw cherubim and angels and and God got him to lay down on his side, I think for 365 days. And then he turned over to the other side for another 365 days. And God would use him in these, all these kind of dramatical ways to speak to the people of Israel. A prophet is somebody who's simply bringing a message from God to a group of people. And this is who Ezekiel was. Z- Ezekiel was in a place called Babylon. So the backstory here is Israel. The nation of Israel had started to follow idols. They stopped following God. They did it their own way. And God took them and put them in captivity in a place called Babylon. So they ceased to exist as a nation. So Ezekiel's in Babylon. And this is the background of this passage. So my first point for those that are taking notes is no God. So Ezekiel 3 sorry, Ezekiel 37.1 says this, the Lord laid his hand on me and brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. So the first point is you need to know God. We need to know God, that the hand of God was on Ezekiel. You need to know God. The first step in in purpose and hope is to know Jesus, is to know God. Ezekiel knew God. He had an encounter with God. He'd invited God into his heart. His life was to follow God. And see, the picture we have here is Ezekiel is saying that God was with him. God's hand is on him. So when you know God, God is with you. God's hand is upon you. And the picture is like of a parent. You know, a parent with a kid going through the shopping center. You know, maybe your little son or daughter's in front of you and your hand's on their shoulder just kind of directing them through the aisles it's kind of the picture we see of god's hand is on ezekiel he's saying his hands on my shoulder i feel his presence guiding and leading me and and maybe the the little boy wants to go to the lolly aisles i want to go that way but no 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 we're going we're going down to the toiletries son we're going to toilet no i don't want to go to toiletries i want to go to the lolly aisle. Oh, yeah and when god's hands on us it's like we got our own will and we want to do this but we got to allow that gentle just nudging of god's hand to guide us and to submit to his hand so ezekiel's saying he knows god and he submitted to God's hand. My well, next point is God led him to a valley. God led him to a valley. So God's hand was upon him and led him to a valley. But this is, this is a vision. I don't believe he actually went to this valley. It was a vision that God took him through. He was a like, super spiro kind of guy. And he, he had this vision of this valley that God led him to this valley. And I'm going to read um, from 37, the second half of verse 1. It says, to the middle of a valley that was filled with bones. So this is crazy, isn't it? God led him to a valley that was full of bones. Like, it doesn't sound interesting, does it? It sounds a bit bizarre and freaky, but, you know, a valley symbolizes death. A valley symbolizes hopelessness. A valley symbolizes a dark place. The Bible says, Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. See, the hand of God was upon him, walking with him, but the Spirit of God led him to a valley. We often don't picture God leading us to a valley, do we? We we want God to lead us to a mountaintop. That's what I want. I don't want to be led to a valley. I want to go to a mountaintop. And see, in the valley, you can't see outside a valley. You can only see what's within the valley. But if you're on the mountaintop, you can see down into that valley. You can see a valley that side. You can see the ocean out there. You can see the sunrise, the sunset. When you're on the mountaintop, you can see a better picture of where your life is going and what's happening. But God led him to a valley. He couldn't see out. The the light in the valley isn't as bright as on the mountain. When you're on the mountaintop, there's nothing impeding the light, is it? But when you're in a valley, there's different shades of gray and dark, and, and you can't see which way to get out. And that's that feeling of being trapped, the feeling of not being able to get out, that feeling of hopelessness. You know, the valley is a place where the rawness of life happens. It's where maybe you've got that phone call of that diagnosis. You know, maybe you've got that cancer diagnosis. No, 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 I'm not supposed to have that. No, I, no, I don't get cancer. Maybe you've got that phone call of the death in the family. It's like, no, where, where did that come from? You know, m- maybe it's the, the police officer knocking on your door and saying, I'm sorry, sir, I, I need to... Infl-. You know that moment? You know that moment? That moment of pain, that moment of rawness when everything's falling apart around you and... And you think, how can I get through this? It's like you've hit a brick wall. That's what the valley is. And it says that God led him to the valley. God led him to a valley, a place of hopelessness, a place of death. Let's let's keep that thought. But it's in the valley we learn to trust in God. It's in the valley we realize who do we depend on. When you're in the valley, you can't get out of the valley unless your trust and your dependence is on God. See, in that dark place, he is the light that you lean on. He is the one that will get you through. And I've said it before, the things we do, the habits, the practices we have in the good times, they're the very practices and habits that we have in our life that will get us through the valley times. Walking among the bones is my next point. I know it doesn't sound really happy joy, does it? He's, he's walking around bones. Ezekiel 37.2 says, He led me. Talking about God, Ezekiel says, He led me here and there throughout the valley. And I was just amazed to see the surface of the entire valley was covered with, how do you say that word? Myriads. Yeah, thank you. I just want to make sure I got it right. Thank you very much for that, Bill. Myriads of very dry bones. God required Ezekiel to walk amongst the bones, not to be on the outskirts of the valley, looking at it all like an observer, but God required Ezekiel to be in the middle of the bones. God put him right there in the middle of the bones. They were dead bones. They were dry bones. See, the bones were unclean. As a Jew and as a priest, Ezekiel was a priest as well, it was not permitted for him to be where on dead bodies. Like... It, was, it made him... Un- God took him and put him in a place that was unclean. You think about this. God led him to a valley, a place of hopelessness, and on top of that, he made him walk through and around all these dry, dead bones. And basically, there were skeletons. They were human bones. Those were human skeletons of, of, of a group of people that had been possibly murdered, possibly a battle, possibly a disease, and he's got this valley of just death that he's walking through these graves, these, these skeletons that are on the surface of the earth which made him unclean. It, it basically, it was his, our weakness, our humanity. And then the dry bones had been there a very long time, the Bible said. So here we have Ezekiel walking around the bones. I can imagine this. I can imagine Ezekiel walking through the bones and, and maybe looking at a, a, a skeleton thinking, I wonder what their life was like. What was the story of that life? You know, what, what did, were they married? Did they have children? You know, what, what were their dreams? What were their hopes? Like, these skeletons are a, a symbol of dreams that have been broken and, and, and hopes that have been shattered. He would have meditated and thought, what about that life? Who were they? Did did their parents imagine when they were born and they celebrated their birth and they celebrated their first birthday that that child would one day die and and, and be a skeleton on the surface of the earth, not even having the honour to be buried in the ground, not even had a prayer made over them at their death but almost forgotten about on the surface of the earth. I can see him meditating about these things and We've lived in the States a few times, I've talked about. And I used to walk around graveyards over there. You know, you thought, oh, the new Pastor Robbie is a bit weird, but that really takes the cake. Yeah, I used to walk around graveyards because, you know, they have like these graves and it's like 1695. And this person died in 1733. And I love history. I thought, how fascinating, you know, these tombstones, all these people that died hundreds of years ago. And I'm standing at their tombstone. And they would have had a funeral service around that tombstone. And, you know, if I could go on a time machine, I would be standing with other people in their, you know, the red coats. It was all from that era. And the British. And you think, wow, these human lives. And I remember this one, I'm just telling this story for a reason. And I remember this one night, I was walking around this graveyard praying. And um, it was dark, and I'm walking around the graveyard praying. Because I just kind of felt going to the graveyard made me think to be sober about life. To, it made me think, what am I doing with my life? Because when you go to a funeral, there's that final thing about, isn't it? Like it, it makes you reflect on who am I? Where am I going? What am I doing? My life will end one day. What do I want them to say about me? What do I want to have accomplished in God? What are my dreams? And I would walk around the graveyard. I haven't done it in years, so this is something in the past. And there's one night I felt a bit of a bump and I put my torch on and I realized that I was standing on a freshly done grave. You know when they got the mound like that? And it had no tombstone, and I was standing right in the middle of it. You know, that's a freaky feeling. I just remember yelling, jumping off it, and that kind of slowed down my grave walking days, but that was eerie. It was freaky. It almost felt spiritual. I just, oh, I can imagine Ezekiel as he walked around with these skeletons everywhere. That would have been that eerie, weird, kind of uncomfortable feeling. The bones were dry. That symbolizes a very long time they'd been there. This wasn't fresh. This was They they had no flesh on them. They had no sinew. They had no muscles on them. The marrow was all dried up. These bones had been there year after year after year. Sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset, just exposed on the surface of the earth, slowly drying up. I want to ask today, what are some things in your life that you've allowed to slowly dry up to a point of death? What is it in your life that you've put aside and slowly has been drying and drying and drying? Is it, is it a relationship with a family member? Is it a relationship with a parent or with a sibling? Is it a career or a goal or a dream that you've had that you've allowed to slowly just dry, dry up? Is it, is it your prayer life? Is it your, your attendance to church? I used to go to church every week, sometimes twice when they had night services, and, and now I'm, I'm once every six weeks. What are the things in your life that you've allowed to just dry up slowly that God needs to resurrect, that God wants you to bring hope back into and to get involved in? You know, those bones weren't alone. The sun came up every day and the sun set every day on those bones. The stars at night came out and looked from heaven above over those bones. So whatever your situation is, heaven sees, heaven knows, God knows the situation you're in, God knows maybe that sense of hopelessness you feel right now, God knows you're in that valley, he sees from heaven, he's with you, he's on your side. What do you need to depend on? What do you need to depend on? Ezekiel 37 3 says this, the Lord asked me, son of man, will these bones live, ever live? The Lord replied, Lord God, I replied, you know the answer. So God says to him, will these bones live? Are these bones going to live? Are their bones going to live? No, they can't live. But Ezekiel's saying, I don't know, but in you, God, all things are possible. In the natural, those bones can't live again. No medicine can make the bones live again. No advances in technology are going to make them become human beings again. No education level is going to make the bones come again. No politics, no human wisdom, no, no anything is going to make the bones live again. But only God, he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. He can make the dead come to life. He can make the dry become fresh again. He can change your circumstance. The valley you're in can become an end and he can bring you out of that valley. He's a resurrector of the dead. It's the divine hand of the creator in your life that makes the difference. See, Ezekiel was unclean. He was unworthy, that man. He could not do it in his own ability. Only God could do it. Only It's in your weakness. No matter how weak, you oh, I stuffed up this week, Pastor Robbie, I made him, I did this, I did. It's, it's not about you. It's about a life submitted to the hand of God. And the hand of a sovereign God can bring breakthrough and opportunity in your life. No, it's not about, it. I'm in the perfect location, and I've prayed three times this week and I'm pure right now." Ezekiel, God made him unclean to show the power of his might in this circumstance. What about Abraham? There's a guy in the Bible, His name's Abraham. He was 100 years old, and his wife was 100. They couldn't have kids. It was physically, it was impossible to have kids, but God had promised him a son. He had hope when he had no reason to have hope. The Bible says that he believed by faith even when there was no natural reason to believe. Even though it was illogical for him to even believe, he chose to trust and put his faith in God, that God could do anything, that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. He ended up having a son, and he's called the father of faith. See, I'll put it to you today that faith, hopelessness in God is not the end. But it's actually a doorway. It's a doorway. Ezekiel had to come to a valley of death with dead bones, be unclean, because God was taking him on a journey, an encounter. He had an encounter with God in the valley, and he saw a miracle take place. See, hopelessness is not an end. God brings us to points of hopelessness, that he would bring new birth, new life. See, out of death comes life. There's a movie that's called uh, Escape Room. I haven't fully seen it. I don't want to give it away. But... Probably this is given away, but to get out of a room, they had to face their fears, if I can say it like that. They had to face their fears. Just because God brings you to your fear, it's not a time to pull back and go, oh, I don't want to go there, Lord. He wants you to walk through the fear. He wants you to walk through into another place, a bigger place. See, the cross of Christ is where Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth. And the sins of the world were put upon his shoulders and he was on that cross he was crucified. It was a point of a complete hopelessness. The Savior, the Messiah of the world, the hope of the world was dead, dead and buried. He wasn't in a coma. He was dead, put in a cave. And he bore the sins of the world, and it seemed like all was lost to the disciples. In their minds, it was finished. Their dreams and hopes of a Messiah that would bring reigning um, power to the nation of Israel against the Romans, it was done. But to God, that situation of death and hopelessness was to part of his perfect plan to bring hope, to bring a resurrection, to bring a new day. See, the, the cross of Christ is the opportunity where we walk through hopelessness because the cross is hopelessness. But on the other side of that is resurrection. On the other side of that is life. On the other side of that is your hope coming to pass, God fulfilling things in your life. My next point is from hopelessness to hope don't give up in hopelessness. Don't, don't stop there. It's a test. Walk through it. Continue in it, and it will pass. It's a doorway to another realm. It's a doorway to God's next step for you. Don't look at it as like, no, I'm not going there. It's like, I walk, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because you're with me. You prepare a place before my enemies. You're right in their staff. They comfort me. This is a big passage of scripture, but this is kind of where the story comes alive, from hopelessness to hope in Ezekiel thirty-seven four to eight. Then the Lord told me, prophesy to these bones. What does prophesy mean? It simply means to speak God's word. Speak God's word to this situation. He was, was um, speak this message from God. Then the Lord told me, prophesy to these bones. Speak to the bones. Tell them, you dry bones, listen to the message of the Lord. He didn't go. These dry bones don't exist. No, I, I, don't, I, I don't have that disease. No, 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 I don't. Psychologists tell us the first thing to get over a problem is admit we've got a problem. How can you solve a problem if you can't even identify the problem? So God is telling him here, yeah, these bones are dry. Except rea- reality is they're dry. Reality is they've been there a long time. Reality is there is no hope in the natural. Let's face reality and, and accept reality is what he's saying. Yeah. This is what the Lord says to you, dry bones. It's call them out again. I'm talking to the dry bones. Pay attention. I'm bringing my spirit into you right now, and you're going to live. See, the prophet was speaking God's words in this hopeless situation. I mean, really, if you think about it, why even waste your time talking to dead, dry bones of a human? Because it's, it's just a waste of energy. It's an activity that couldn't happen. It's not going to happen. But yet, despite it not being logical... He obeyed God, he heard God because he knew God, and he spoke God's words over that circumstance. He faced the reality that they were dry, dead bones. So whatever it is in your life that you're facing, speak God's word over it. Speak God's word, whatever that circumstance you're facing, speak God's word over that thing. Talk to that thing in God. Pray over that thing. It's spir- he was taking words. This is going to get a bit spiritual for you, okay? He was taking the words of God that are from a spiritual unseen realm, and when we speak God's words out like I'm speaking now, I'm actually bringing them to a natural, tangible realm. I'm taking words from a spiritual dimension, and we're bringing them into reality. So when he spoke God's words over those bones, he was taking something from heaven, and he was bringing it to earth. Simply, he is a conjurent of those words. And as you pray over circumstances, you are conjugate of heaven's will that you're speaking to natural circumstances that you may be facing. I'm bringing my spirit into you right now and you're going to live. I'm going to grow tendons on you, regenerate your flesh, cover you with skin and make you breathe again so that you can come back to life and learn that I am the Lord. So I prophesied just I'd been ordered. He was obedient and smit himself. Immediately there was a noise and a rattling. Can you imagine it? Just the bones starting to shake, you know, the rattling across the whole valley. So, whoa, something's happening. Each bone came together, all of them gathered, attached together. As I continued to watch, I saw tendons growing on the bones, muscles growing and covering them. Then the skin covered the flesh from above, but the bodies weren't breathing. See, Ezekiel wasn't an observer of a miracle, he was a participant in the miracle. See, God doesn't want you to be an observer of a miracle. He wants you in the middle of the valley. He wants you in the middle of the miracle. He wants you to be faith without works is dead. You can, faith without works is dead. We have to be a participant in the hand of God, even in our hopeless situation. He was center of the storm, not watching the storm from a distance. Verse 9, he says, Then he ordered me, prophesy to the Spirit son of man. Tell the spirit this is what the Lord says. See, he wasn't just randomly saying whatever he wanted to say. Do you know what I mean? It's not about us randomly speaking to a situation what our will is and our thinking. He actually spent time with God. He heard God's voice. He spoke God's word according to God's purposes and God's will into the circumstances. The power wasn't in him. It was the power in speaking what the creator had told him to do. It was unique for Ezekiel. This is what the Lord says, come from the four winds, you spirit, and breathe into these people who have been killed, so they will live, so they will live. And then six, what was the outcome? Hope was resurrected. Hope was resurrected. In that valley came life. In a valley, you might experience life. In the valley, when you have that devastation or whatever that is, is a place where you can encounter God, a fresh revelation of who he is, but you can experience that miracle in the valley. The valley wasn't, the miracle wasn't outside the valley. The miracle was in the valley. He experienced the miracle in the valley, in the place you don't want to be, that place of darkness that we can have. Verse 10 says this, so I prophesied as I had been ordered. Keeps going back to according to God's purpose, according to what God had said to me. He was just following God's direction. Breath entered them and they began to live. They stood on their feet as a vast united army some translations say an exceedingly great army so i think a miracle would be that they just came alive i think a miracle would be just that one came alive they got fl- but this that the whole it was an army and it wasn't just an army it was a united army an exceedingly great army see the miracle is is more than just that they were living and they were existing the miracle was that god created purpose for them created destiny for them created identity for them that they were a mighty great army See, God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or even think. You think you want God to do this in your life. He's going, no, no, he wants to do this. You know, sometimes we shortchange God. And and the story of this whole, whole vision that he went through was the big picture of it is the army was the nation of Israel. Israel had been taken captive to Babylon. It ceased to exist as a nation. And there was many nations at that time that got destroyed, and we don't even know their names today, and, and history books and archaeology is still finding out who these peoples were. And Israel as a nation could easily have been that kind of a nation. But God was saying to Ezekiel to tell the people, even though right now this situation that you're in captivity in Babylon is hopeless, you are so done and dusted that there's no flesh, there's no muscle, there's no breath, and the very bones of your nation are decaying and dried up, but I'm going to do a miracle in your midst, and I'm going to resurrect you as a nation that you would be a great and mighty army and a nation again. And we know this happened because Israel today exists. They could have easily been forgotten. Whatever your politics is, Israel exists and is a mighty army and a mighty nation. So the word of God through Ezekiel came to pass. What's your situation? You know, what are the things that you're going through? You know, let's not kind of stop going through. Like If God's brought you to a valley, walk through the valley. Go with God. You're not alone in the valley. What are the things that you've allowed to dry up in your life? What are some of the situations that you need to go through or, or need to get through? I want to encourage you today with hope. I encourage you, this story is a story of hope. No matter how hopeless the situation may look to you, whether it's a workplace or a family situation or a financial issue or, or a sickness, or no matter how hopeless it may look, this story tells us that God is able to do a miracle. He's able to resurrect the dead. He can put flesh on dry bones. He can bring life to any situation. We just have to speak His word. You know, when you come through that hopelessness and you get your miracle, you come through that gate and you enter another room, you've got a new level of hope in your life. You've got a new level of faith in your life. You, you, you can face that same thing again and it won't even do what it did to you last time because you've grown as a person. And then your life is a testimony to others around you. And then you can speak into their situations. Can I encourage you? I went through that and and here I am today, I'm alive. I went through that and and I remarried and and I got kids. And You know, you can encourage so many people with your story that you went through in the valley. You can give hope to others in darkness, that God would use you as an instrument in his hand just as they were a mighty army. You are a mighty army. And can I encourage you, Encounter Church, I really feel like I could prophesy hope to you today. I really sense there's a hope. I I really feel like this church is on the brink of of, of something in God and, and that maybe we've been dried up skeletons on the ground and that God wants to breathe fresh life and speak hope into your circumstance, hope into your family, hope into this church. It's a new day. God is doing a new thing. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. Can I ask that the music... People come up, please, as I start to conclude. And can I encourage you? We need to seek God. Ezekiel was a man that sought God. He walked with God. He knew God. He heard God's voice. That if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And that as we pray and speak God's word over circumstances and situations, you know, hopelessness can have its miracle. And that hopelessness is a doorway to another room. Hopelessness is a doorway to hope. Hope. Hope, just as the cross was not the end. The cross easily could have been seen by many as the end, but it was the beginning to enter into a new room. And that's why we come to church and, and we give our hearts to Christ and we talk about things that he bore our sins upon his cross. So it was that moment of hopelessness and no matter where you're at today, he's an example of hope. He was resurrected from the dead. The Bible says whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. The story of the cross is a great hope and inspiration to murder. no matter what you or I are going through today. Anything can turn around. Anything can happen. The valley is a place where we can have a rich, personal experience with God. You know, someone once spoke over to me and they said, you know, the dark places that you've been in, the valleys that you've been in, they're the places where you'll gather the gems. They're the places where you will gather the wisdom from God and don't see these dark times or, or circumstances and hopelessness as, as, as God crushing you. But it's where God is going to bring light so that you will preach and share with other people and bring hope to them. So what you're going through now is something he will use later on for others. And, and perhaps that word is for you today. No matter what you're going through, perhaps that's something that God has. you don't know what you're going to speak into in one year. You don't know whose life you're going to speak to in two years' time. If I could get us all to stand this morning, I just want to pray over us as a church. And I want to prophesy and speak a message into souls. I I believe that as we come together as a vast united army, that there is power in the Spirit. And if you're comfortable to put your hands out or lift them or even just opening your heart, Father in heaven, I just pray for every life. I pray for every being here, every situation that has dried up, Father, and, and is not what we wanted. I pray, Father, that that, that as we speak in prayer and, and as we speak into our circumstance and as we share your word into that, Father, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would do a miracle. I pray for breakthrough in families. I pray for breakthrough in businesses. I pray, Father, for hope to be resurrected, Father, hope to be resurrected in circumstances and lives in this room right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. Faith arise god is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think father and we thank you for the miracle father we thank you for the miracle in jesus name amen amen and thank you jesus thank you for listening to this message to stay in touch with encounter follow us on instagram at encounter.cc or find us on facebook at encounter.shepperton